Our fiscal focus topic for this episode is the rental crisis facing many parts of the country, with renters confronting a severe shortage of properties available for rent, as well as soaring rental prices. The national rate of vacant rental properties is sitting at a historic low of 0.9%, while capital city vacancy rates are as low as 0.3%, such as in Adelaide. For reference, a vacancy rate of 3% is considered a healthy, balanced market. So, yeah, tough times for the three. 3 million or so Aussie households that rent in Harrison. Yeah, that's right, Dom. Uh, rents are going up. Uh, I think they've gone up more than a fifth across the capital cities in the past year or so. Uh, there's fewer and fewer rentals available uh, that are considered affordable, which is around $400 a week. Uh, there's supply constraints there as well. And we actually have a special guest on today. So Dr. Asti Martiasmo from PRD Real Estate. She's a chief economist there. Um, she's here to talk us through a, a bit about that. Um, and Asti, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. G'day, Asti. Thanks. Uh, yeah, great, great to have you on. Our first guest ever on the podcast. So oh wow! Privilege, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that is such an honor. That is so amazing. I love it. No, that's great. So, um, obviously, yeah, this this rental crisis, it's a pretty big issue. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, just straight off the top, are we in a full blown rental crisis? And if so, is it going to get worse? Look, I'm not going to mince words with everyone here because otherwise I'll just be doing everybody a disservice. The short answer to that is that yes, we are in a rental crisis. Um, it has been acknowledged by all different levels of government, whether it's local councils, state governments, and as well as our um, federal government. Um, here in Queensland, the rental crisis is actually one of the main reasons why the housing summit is has been called by Anastasia Palaszczuk. Um, you know, she was uh, pretty shocked uh, knowing that a lot of our charities and non-profit organizations um, and social housing who are tasked to, you know, help with those who are less fortunate, that they actually had to rent out tents for people to be mm. able to wow. have a place to stay. And um, because they couldn't, literally could not find rental properties, um, whether it's nearby to where they are or something that is off to a good standard or something that they could afford. So, you know, when we talk about whether or not we are in a rental crisis, the answer is just very simple, yes. Um, and whether or not it's going to get worse, it really depends on um, the supply that can be strategically pushed up um, and by that, I mean, of course, with the help of government policies to lessen the red tape when it comes to um, land being available. And a lot of people think when they we say land, we mean greenfield. We don't. What we mean is be having less red tape for the inner ring sort of or middle ring sort of like landowners to be able to subdivide or, you know, create smaller developments to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to sort of like um, go down that path for supply. Um, so whether or not it gets worse, I would say in the short term. The answer is yes, because obviously with the supply constraint and construction challenges, we can't just pop up houses. Um, but yeah, definitely more solutions need to happen. 
So I think you've uh, opened a can of worms there, Aston. There's a bit going on um, here. So uh, you, you touched on probably the, the uh, keystone argument here, um, which is supply. Um, so speaking of supply, it's a it's a bit of a, a, a two pronged um, factor with uh, with both investors and public housing and things like that, and then um, zoning restrictions as well. Um, but before we touch on that. Uh, per se, um, how did we get here over the last ten to fifteen years? Uh, what sort of led to this this storm, this perfect storm? So, um, if we're talking Brisbane specifically, for example, and this also probably sure. applies to a lot of um, Queensland areas, is if you guys remember back in 2017, 2018, there was like a real scare that we might have an oversupply of apartments in Brisbane, mm. uh, and. Yes. And it's the same with a lot of places as well, because a lot of the local council went on what we call a development application approval spree, where they where they um, approved quite a lot of developments. And as a result of that, there was a lot of supply in around that 2017-2018 timeframe. Um, if we go back to that time, which I don't know why it seems so long ago, although it's not, I'm probably getting ancient here. Um, but if we go back to that time, we would remember that a lot of the media headlines was, ah, you know, is the property market oversupplied? Is there too much mm -hmm. coming onto the market? Glut. You know, all yeah. of you know, all of these sort of like headlines, right? And because of that, like even if I look at residential development or dwelling approval data, you could literally see between 2018 to about 2020, there was a massive dip with councils um, kind of, you know, pulling back a little bit because of that thought that we will get oversupplied. Um, and of course, because of that, then it meant that there has been a lower amount of applications or approval of applications. Um, there's been a lot of changes in the ability to be able to rezone land as well, making it more difficult for either commercial or industrial type of land to be rezoned into either mixed use or residential. Um, and then the construction challenges in terms of the global supply happened um, you know, because of COVID. And so all of that literally contributed to our supply issues right now. Mm. And what about, I mean, I've heard, you know, talk about th that there was a bit of an exodus of uh, investors in, in the property market. Um, a lot of them selling up uh, during the pandemic. And uh, obviously, you know, property investors are the, the suppliers of, of the rental market. I think I think it's something about 90% of um, Australia's rental market is supplied by yeah, property investors. So definitely. Uh, to what extent is, is that having an impact on things? Very much so. So, um, when it comes to investors, um, a lot of investors, like you said, exited during COVID. And that's because many investors felt that they were hard done by. So we had, you know, the renter or the rental freeze, um, the rental moratoriums, you know, all of those mm. sort of policies that happened during that time. But there was very little protection for the investors because yes, you could freeze your mortgage, but it actually meant that you were just going to be paying more at the end because the interest will keep on compounding. So for investors, then that does 
doesn't make financial sense. Um, and therefore, a lot of investors tapped out of the uh, tapped out of the market. We've had some investors come back into the market, especially as they're seeing the rental prices go up, which means that, mm. of course, you know, rental returns go up. Mm. Vacancy rates have been dropping, so rental occupancy becomes quicker. Um, but now, at the moment, there's a lot of investors literally debating whether or not they're going to be tapping out of the market because of the cash rate hikes. Um, you know, ah, so yep. it's you know whether or not it's going to be financially viable for them to actually keep their investment. Um, many people say, well, you can negatively gear. And that's absolutely true. But negative gearing is something that you can do once a year in mm -hmm. when you do your taxes. Whereas if you're on a variable rate, um, then your cash rate or your mortgage payment will be on a month-by-month -month basis. And rates in terms of council rates is also going up right now. Um, water rates going up. So insurance premiums going up. And so all of that compounds to whether or not an investor decides to tap it, uh, tap out or stay in. Mm. And I suppose if they stay in, they, they, they might be likely to, to push up the rents, which uh, obviously the, the tenants won't be too happy with. No. So it's interesting though, because for an investor, if you're a landlord, you're locked in into a 12 months contract with your renter, right? Because that's, you mm -hmm. know, generally that's your leasing agreement. So what we're seeing right now is a lot of leases up for renewal. And if a landlord has mm. been locked into that lease for the past 12 months, then they really haven't been able to increase any of the rent for the past 12 months. But their mortgage keeps on increasing and the rental market around them keeps on increasing. So what you're seeing right now is landlord almost recouping costs almost mm. in the sense that they've now is their chance to actually able to have a new lease agreement that is more in line with their mortgage payment and also what their rental market around them has been performing at. So that's where you're seeing kind of like that, you know, catch 22 sort of thing. Like I suppose if all the ducks are lined up um, and people have pretty short memories, like for example, I completely neglected to to recall the fact that there were rental moratoriums across the country a couple of years ago. Um, but for someone like yourself, I suppose uh, you probably could have seen this coming at, at some stage, maybe not as rapidly as it has come about. Um, but just casting our eyes back to the big dirty C word uh, for a moment, COVID. With, the spicy uh, with, cough. Yeah, the, spice, the old spicy cough. Um, to what extent do you think like shrinking household sizes and, and, and people reassessing their, their needs to be near a city um, and, and things like that, like how do you think that that has affected things? Um, look, <clears throat> we did, um, it's kind of interesting that you're asking me this because we did go through a phase of, and you would probably still remember all the headlines on sea change and tree change and, yeah. you know, people going, you know, in different yeah, we places. Guilty of that. Yeah, um, I did a sea change. See, so you did a sea change. <laughs> um, I couldn't move um, mainly because, you know, I, I do have an, uh, quite a nice home and for me to be able to afford the same type of home would actually be, be like financial suicide in this current market um, but you know there was a certain point where that did have an impact and a lot of people were doing it because they could 
work from home. But the reality right now is that we're, once we're back in business again and many companies are now asking their people to be physically available and to actually go back into the office. Um, like my office, for example, we're on back five days a week. Um, oh, you know, wow. The only reason why I am still on um you know, some some parts of my work is still from home is because it's, you know, it's within my contract. Whereas as a general, most people are now back in the office five days a week in their offices in the CBD or in the fringe of the CBD. So at mm. the same time where there was a wave or a phase of people doing the tree change and the sea change, we're now also seeing a wave of people coming back into the fringe of CBDs and CBD areas. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, it's kind of like one of those trends that shifts both ways. Um, households are definitely shrinking. We are seeing more families now being okay with moving into a three or a four bedroom apartment that is nearer to the CBD um, as opposed to like a house out in the suburbs that may take them an hour to get into the CBD and to get into work. So we're seeing that across many multiple CBDs across Australia. So it really has changed some of the dynamics and the demographics in terms of the demand in the market as well. What happens when an investor sells their their property does that mean does that mean one person who was renting has now decided to buy like what what's the go there yeah so the scenarios is very varied at the moment that there isn't any real concrete data that can tell us you know because say 20% of investors have tapped out mm. that also resulted in a 20% or a 10% increase in first home buyers if that makes sense yeah. like you can you can try and crisscross kind of like the home finance loan commitment between like first home buyers and investors mm -hmm. but as it is with data it might tell you something but the correlation whether it's a strong or a weak or whether that is actually what happened is another matter altogether because unfortunately with data like first home buyers or owner occupiers it gets diluted with them being able to access grants or them you know um, being able to then you know, remortgage their payments or something along the lines or refinance something or sell up or anything like that. So there's always other things playing when it comes to how all of those data come about, but there hasn't really been any correlation that we can definitely say, look, 20% of investors tapped out and that means 15% of renters became first home buyers, for mm. example. So, you know, it's still a very much so a case by case. Um, mm -hmm. I have heard of um, investor friends of mine who tapped out and, you know, it was another landlord that bought their investment uh, property. Right. And so um, the renters stayed. I've also heard of friends of mine and colleagues who tapped out of the investment market. And it turns out that the buyer of that property is their own renter. Um, I've also mm. heard of um, other cases where the investor taps out, the person buying is an owner-occupier 
like not their renter, another owner occupier, and their renter then actually bought a property in another suburb that is more affordable than that particular suburb. So now you've got like three homeowners basically, as mm. opposed to one. So you know the situations and the and and the difference um, scenarios is very much varied at the moment. That there isn't like a one portal source data. Um, that actually tells us the causations or like the correlations between both. And there's no, there's no silver, one silver bullet, unfortunately. Um, no, if, no, if if we could, we would probably solve a lot of people's problems. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there isn't, and it is a very multifaceted issue right now. Yeah, and just quickly, Asti. So I recently um, heard that you've been in Australia for twenty years now. Um, I know. I know, crazy. Um, what uh, sort of trends, just broadly, um, have you noticed in the Australian sort of housing market um, in those 20 years? So I first arrived in 2002 and I was a renter myself all throughout my uni days. Um, and um, God, I remember, like, I'm from Brisbane, right? And um, I went to QUT, Queensland University of Technology. I think I remember a time where I was still able to rent a room in Tuong, which is about six Ks from the city for like a hundred bucks. But then again, I think this goes back quite a bit to like maybe about, you know, almost 15, maybe 14, yeah, about 14, 15 years ago. Um, the one thing that I have noticed though is that the property cycles are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. So, in terms of, um, you know, going like on a wave going up and then slightly coming down on like a correction and then the wave going up again and then coming down a correction, like that sort of wave, um, we're noticing that it's becoming shorter and shorter. It's no longer your seven to 10 years sort of like cycle. It then moved to about five to seven. Now we're looking probably at about two, three years when it comes to cycles. Mm. I mean, you know, we saw the market um, starting to dip slightly just before COVID and then it went up throughout COVID and just after COVID. Um, and then now with the cash rate hikes, we're starting to see some markets turn again. Mm -hmm. And if we think about it, that's, you know, probably mid late 2021 versus, no, not 2021, sorry, mid late um, 2019 versus now 2022, which is what, 10, yeah, three years. So two to mm -hmm. three years. Um, as opposed to the usual five to seven year mm. cycle. Jeez. Yeah, absolutely. Getting shorter. Very interesting. I know. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but uh, what I do know is uh, that unfortunately we have run out of time on this one. But uh, thank you so much, Asti, for your, your great insights there. Um, we've definitely learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me, guys. 